The following program is brought to you by Caltech. All right, our next talk is by one of our students, Pascal Renton, who will be uh, presenting some of his work with ISEC on NEA scenarios. Thank you, John. Um, okay, so for those of you who don't know me yet, my name is Pascal. I guess this will be mainly the people from the Team Explorer because I'm on Voyager. And um, so um, you guys are probably wondering why I'm giving this talk a student among all those prominent speakers here. Um, so I was asked by ISA and NASA to just give a short overview about the work that I'm doing because it's uh, very much related to the things that we are doing here in our workshop. And uh, so I thought I'd just give you guys um, a student's perspective on ISAC and all the neo scenarios that we are carrying out. Okay. So as an overview, um, so first I'm going to talk a little bit about the facts of, about myself. So I'm going to tell you my background. And uh, then I'm going to introduce... Uh, my workplace right now, ESA and the Exploration Architecture Office. Then I'm going a bit into the exploration scenarios that uh, we're currently defining within ISAC. And uh, then I'm just going to give my own opinion, my own perspective on the work that we are doing there. Okay. So my background is uh, in aerospace engineering at the University of Stuttgart in Germany. And um, I did several internships, um, uh, also at the European Spaceport in Kourou and at the European Astronaut Center in Germany. So my, my background is, is pretty diverse and it's more systems engineering background. And um, I was also part of the um, space studies program of the International Space University at NASA Ames. And uh, right now I'm carrying out my master thesis at the European Space Agency in the Netherlands at STEC. And uh, so the topic is basically a comparative assessment of uh, ISAC mission scenarios for human exploration. Um, not only restricted to NEO scenarios, but um, in general human exploration scenarios. So basically everything that comes after ISS. And so that's why my field of interest, I would say, is mainly mission architecture. And so here, just to provide two pictures. So this is me in the ESA astronaut suit outfit. And, uh, but also, of course, NASA, since we are here close to JPL. And OK. So I don't know how many of you have already heard about ESA, especially maybe the people from from India or other countries. I don't know how well known ESA is over there. Um, so basically, ESA has 19 member states. So it's the countries uh, in, in dark gray over here. And uh, I don't want to read them out. You can read them by yourselves. Um, and uh, so we have also eight other uh, European Union state, states that have cooperation agreements with ESA and also Canada takes part in some uh, programs uh, under a cooperation agreement. And we also have some Canadian trainees at STEC. So it's very international, which makes everything more exciting. And it's all about collaboration at ESA. So 
the Exploration Architecture Office. Um, the Exploration Architecture Office is um, a small section uh, which is part of the uh, ESA Directorate for Human Spaceflight and Operations, which was just recently created because um, before it was two directorates. It was the Directorate for Human Spaceflight and the Directorate for Operations, which were then merged to make everything more efficient. And um, so I'm part of a small team of four people. And uh, basically what we are doing is um, we are developing the European Roadmap for Space Exploration, which will be presented to the um, senior ag agency managers. And uh, so we do that uh, by analyzing uh, different exploration architectures and strategies. And uh, we're also part of, of ISAC, which I will explain in a minute. Um, and what we do there is uh, we define together with uh, 14 other space agencies the global human exploration roadmap. And uh, it's, it's really very interesting work and uh, very rewarding. And um, so we are part of several international working groups. Uh, and um, <clears throat> we also uh, identify the European contribution uh, to all these exploration scenarios. And, um, we uh, identify potential cooperation scenarios with other countries, like for example, Japan or, or India or several other agencies. So uh, what you can see here, this is what it's all about, exploring together, which is one of the um, slogans of, of ISAC. So what is ISAC? Has anybody of you ever heard of ISAC? Okay, I see two hands, three, maybe four. Okay, so I see it's not very well known, <clears throat> which I expected. And um, so ISAC is the International Space Exploration Coordination Group. I know it's a very long name. And uh, here you can see um, it's a, a kind of, well, organization or group of uh, in total 14 space agencies, which you can see here. So it's, it's all the major space agencies from Europe, United States, India, China. So all the big nations. And um, it was established in 2007. And uh, so the, the main purpose of ISAC is uh, it should provide a forum uh, for, for exchanging information on, um, on different mission architectures and scenarios and uh, recommend them to the relevant uh, senior agency members like the agency heads and uh, which will then forward this information to the political uh, decision leaders. And so what we do is we develop findings and uh, recommendations and uh, just forward them to the to the important people. And so if you're interested in the work, uh, you can find more information under this address, uh, globalspaceexploration.org. So you can download brochures and uh, an overview about the work that we are doing at ISAC. So this is basically um, the main product that we are working on which is called the Global Space Exploration Roadmap. Um, 
Yeah, so basically it's, um, it is a document and uh, it is supposed to uh, facilitate the coordination and the cooperation of our uh, space exploration activities. So this includes basically that we develop um, a strategy, a long-range strategy for human exploration beyond LEO. Uh, so whether it's the moon or whether it's near as a destination, it, it doesn't matter. And um, so, but also we, we reflect and we try to integrate um, the, the agency policies and plans as far as possible. And um, so this means that we facilitate uh, near-term coordination and cooperation op opportunities in five areas. So it's uh, use of ISS for exploration, robotic missions, infrastructure elements, technologies, and terrestrial analogs. And um, as I already mentioned, um, ISAG is there to give recommendations. So everything that we are developing is not binding. It's non-binding. So um, it's a non-binding product. And um, the senior agency man managers agreed to begin the development in June 2011. So the initial re release was planned for September this year. And uh, as you can see, we already have a draft. And um, there will also be a presentation at the International Astronautical Congress this year in uh, Cape Town, South Africa. And in total, 12 uh, space agencies have contributed to the development of this document. So what does it look like, the Global Exploration Roadmap? So in this chart, you see an overview about uh, the strategy or the, the general architecture that we envision for, for the future. So as you can see here, um, we still try to, um, to make use of ISS as much as possible as a preparation for our future missions. So this means we continue to um, further advance the technologies that are already there. So basically in the areas of life support, and habitation, but also communication and robotic technologies, and also, but also cryo-fluid management and transfer. So um, after we have advanced these uh, technologies as far as possible, um, which we tried or we will go further into, into deep space. And uh, so this basically means that uh, here you can see all the destinations that we have in mind. and. Um, on this uh, line, you can see all the robotic missions um, that will be carried out in this time frame. So as you can see here, um, we have a lot of missions to the moon, robotic missions, and only a few to near-Earth asteroids, unfortunately. And uh, so we continue this robotic exploration, and then we have uh, basically a path that divides into two ways. Um, so we are now deciding whether we should go first back to the moon or if we should go straight to, to asteroids. So this is basically right now, these are the two scenarios which are called asteroid next versus moon next. And uh, so we envision several missions uh, to the moon on, on the moon next scenario. And, but also here for the asteroid missions, as a preparation uh, missions to Earth-Moon Lagrange point one. And uh, so 
then if we uh, look at all these capabilities that we need. So these are all our building block elements which enable us to perform these missions. So as you can see, there are several elements and I think um, Brad Drake will, will talk about these elements uh, in a later lecture. So we have several elements like, for example, the deep space habitat, cryogenic propulsion stage, etc., etc., And uh, they will enable us to get there with always the ultimate goal or, well, another goal, the next goal, uh, Mars, a manned mission to Mars. So I mentioned that uh, the path divided into two ways. So the first path is this moon next scenario. Um, in order to get to the moon, we found that um, it makes sense to first deliver um, a deep space habitat to an Earth-Moon Lagrange point. And, uh, but, or well, okay, this is the asteroid next scenario, I'm sorry. Um, so in order to advance our technologies, we thought it makes sense to deliver a deep space habitat to an Earth-Moon Lagrange point to test um, all the capabilities like life support, etc. And uh, then we move on to the asteroid. And then as the next stepping stone, we go to the moon because we still think it is essential to go to the moon before we go to Mars. Because we cannot um, test all, the, um, all the, the capabilities that we need to get to Mars on an asteroid. So like for example, we, we cannot test uh, things like, like rovers on an asteroid. We need to test them on a bigger planetary body like the moon. So another scenario says that we should go first to the moon, back to the moon, and then to the asteroid, and then to Mars. So this, these are basically the two scenarios that we have. Originally, we had seven scenarios, and it, it took us quite a while to get down to two, but um, it, it's always better to have uh, a smaller selection of scenarios um, because the political decision leaders, they are not so familiar with, with all the, the things that are involved in it. And so we thought it's better to have only two. And um, okay. So uh, in the previous lectures, um, it was talked a lot about uh, the near destination. So I will only go quickly through this. Um, why are we going to a near Earth asteroid? Um, well, in general, we can say that uh, the asteroid as a destination is somewhat of a halfway point between the Moon and Mars from a total mission energy and time perspective. So it's the perfect opportunity to test our um, advanced technologies in uh, the area of propulsion, energy, advanced life support, etc. And uh, it's basically it's the first true deep space mission that we will be carrying out because so far we haven't been to, to true deep space. And um, of course, we also have high value, it's a high value science target and uh, it will understand, um, it will enhance the understanding of impact mitigation approaches, so planetary defense. And um, well, so in all the scenarios that we discussed, um, a precursor mission to each crew target is assumed. So 
it was agreed in, in all scenarios that we need precursor missions. And um, so if we go to the next slide, um, this is a quick overview about uh, the asteroid next scenario that we designed. So it's, yeah, it's, it's not a bad chart because I couldn't show you the bad charts, but it gives you a, a short overview about um, the steps that we, uh, we want to take to, to reach our goals. And uh, so as you can see here, we have ISS still under operation. And uh, so we have still continuing um, missions to the ISS. But what was envisioned uh, is to develop an additional module for ISS, the so-called uh, exploration technology demonstration module, where we can um, basically integrate um, the exploration technologies that are needed for us to, to enable uh, missions to a near-Earth asteroid or to the moon. And uh, we thought we already have a very expensive laboratory up there, so why don't we take advantage of what we already have instead of developing all the new things. And um, so this is what this is. And um, so as an intermediate step, um, we thought, okay, we, we should first focus on the cis lunar space. So this means we, we would deliver a, a deep space habitat to the Earth-Moon Lagrange point one and uh, slowly increase the duration of, of our stays there. So we have several missions to this deep space habitat. And uh, as soon as we have gained enough experience uh, on how to, to handle um, all the challenges which are uh, connected to, uh, to a deep space mission, like uh, the radiation environment, uh, for example, um, we continue with uh, the first human mission to a NEO, uh, to a near-Earth object. But as you can see here on the robotic exploration part, we have already here precursor missions because they, they are essential for us. Because first we need to understand what, um, what are the, the dangers and, and what are the challenges that we need to overcome in order to, uh, to perform a meaningful uh, mission at this asteroid. We need to understand the physical properties of our uh, target. So, um, so we envisioned several missions to a NEO. And then you can see after these missions, uh, we will have future scenarios to the either to the moon or always with the ultimate goal of, uh, of Mars. And uh, these are basically uh, the elements that I mentioned, which will uh, help us to get there. So we looked at uh, different uh, mission profiles um, with respect to the, um, to the NEO mission. And uh, so as a general summary, um, we compared uh, chemical propulsion versus electric propulsion. Um, I, I just tell, give you the numbers. I, I don't want to go too much into the evaluation which uh, wh or what kind of propulsion is more meaningful. Um, but I will just tell you what we can get out of this propulsion techniques. Um, so as you can see, um, the targets are very similar. Um, so first, the chemical propulsion targets 
that we uh, looked at had a delta, uh, a required delta V of five kilometers per second, and the, uh, the electrical propulsion target had a um, had a delta V which uh, of, of five point four kilometers per second, and um, as you can see. If we go there by chemical propulsion, we have only a surface stay of eight days, whereas if we go there by electric propulsion, we have a higher surface uh, duration or mission duration on, at the NEO of uh, 30 days. And um, well, the total mass that we would need to, to achieve these missions um, is in the range of 200 to 230 tons. So we have to think about how many launches uh, it will take, or how many launches we will need to um, to bring this mass up there. So it's either a two-launch strategy or a three-launch strategy. And uh, so, what mass do we basically get there? With chemical propulsion on this target, we get a mass of 45 tons, and uh, here uh, at least 67 tons. Um, I didn't have. The enough numbers to, to calculate the exact mass, but it must be at least 67 tons. And the capabilities that we um, we have at the NEO, as you can see, we have more elements that we can uh, take advantage of if we use electric propulsion. So um, we have, in addition, the, the space exploration vehicle, if we use electric propulsion, which will allow us to um, to interact with the NEO, to collect samples, and uh, to use uh, robotic arms, mainly. And uh, so, the, in general, uh, the tendency is to use um, to use electric propulsion in combination with uh, with chemical propulsion. So, this will be very interesting. But uh, I guess we will uh, also find things out on 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 how to use the propulsion. Uh, during during the workshop, which strategy is the the best strategy? But this will be up to our teams, so I don't want to go into that. <laughs> um, okay, so basically, as a summary, um, I was asked to give my own opinion on on all the scenarios, and uh, so in in my opinion, I think that uh, groups like ISAC um, are necessary for. For the promotion of, of such ambitious plans as going to a near Earth object, and um, but the main problem is, um, as you have already seen, most of you have never heard of groups like ISAC, so they are relatively unknown in public. So um, there must be something done to promote the work that is uh, being done at, at ISAC, and uh, so I thought it would be a good idea if uh, students uh, could voice their own opinion about the work. That, that we are doing, and uh, I was also asked by my by my boss to to mention this because um, the space agencies they want the opinion of young people like us. So um, we could, for example, we could create a discussion forum on, on all these exploration scenarios and uh, give our input, and uh, then forward our uh, opinions and, and inputs to the to the space agencies. So that they can also consider our opinion on everything, and uh, uh, include that in their products or documents. So a possibility could also be that um, we organize workshops on space exploration, uh, for example, during the IAC or the Space Generation Congress, which is uh, organized by the Space Generation Advisory Council. I don't know how many people are familiar 
uh, with that organization. It's basically a, a student organization that um, uh, holds this congress every year before uh, the IAC. And uh, it's, it's about several workshops on, on certain topics. And so an idea could be to, um, to develop a workshop on, on this human space exploration topics or on these space exploration topics that are being discussed at ISAC. So, um, yeah, well, so the next opportunity to, to voice our opinion is um, the Global Space Exploration Conference in uh, Washington, D.C., which will be next year in May. And um, everybody is, is invited to, uh, to hand in a, a paper or just, you know, organize ourselves. And, um, I mean, the best time to start is now because, uh, as, you can, as you could see, the topic is quite, well, it's, it's quite, uh, quite hot. The topic is quite hot because um, the president ordered us to, to do this. And so, <laughs> well, let's get started. And um, so, in the end, I would like to show you this uh, picture, which is one of my favorite pictures on space exploration. Here you can see um, the space shuttle. I don't know which STS mission it was, but um, it's quite interesting because here in front you have um, uh, replicas of the original ships that were used by Christoph Columbus. And uh, so, well, off to new shores. And um, this is... Uh, also a very interesting quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson, do not go where the path may lead, go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. And I think um, during this workshop, this is exactly what we are doing. And uh, I'm looking forward to work with all you guys and I'm, I'm pretty sure that we will get some good results. Okay, thank you. This program is brought to you by Caltech. Visit us at caltech.edu.